Welcome back to the Two Fish Podcast. My name is Nick. I'm Aaron. And this week we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul remembers his first trip. That's right, Two Fish community. We are staying in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Last week we did chapter 1, which was Paul's encouragement. Yeah to them of how good they're doing and uh, how God has chosen them and and the numerous things that they are doing that are good. And this week, Paul's going to remind them of some things um, from his first visit. Yeah, definitely a weak sauce intro there, but he's remembering and recounting his first time and the good things that happened from that story. Do we want to redo it? (laughs) No, it's fine. It's fine. It's the third time's a charm, you know? Uh, so let's get right into it. First Thessalonians chapter 2. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of this conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. I'm just offended you called my intro weak sauce. No, my intro. Oh, that's rude. No, not you. Are you serious? No, my (laughs) intro. So right there, what he's kind of doing is he's throwing it back. You know, hey, first chapter, you guys were faithful. You've been an example. I want to encourage you. Why is that? Let's look back at our my first visit. And I don't think he's doing this to say, well, when I was there, the reason you guys are so good and so faithful is because when I was there, I did so good. And we're going to see here that's not the case. That's not what he's saying. But I think he's pointing to the reason why, hey, you guys are doing so well. From the foundation when we walked in, this is why you guys are doing so well. Yeah, he actually points to the fact he probably came in there uh, a little beat up, a little discouraged. Um from the way he was treated in Philippi. And then he points to, yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly. Paul knows he came into their territory beat up and discouraged from where he was. And uh, the only way he was able to deliver that message was with God's grace and God's help. Yeah, I think of, I mean, just any time you do something or you say something or you speak from front of people and you don't get a good response or you get backlash for what you've said or what you've done it's discouraging then to turn around and do it again and so like you said this had to been god or the fact that how dedicated i mean maybe this is a point of reflection how dedicated paul is to god that he's willing to say and we all aren't always able to do this in paul's case he probably got beaten thrown in jail paul's thrown in jail all the time i'm still gonna do it all right, kick the shoot, kick the dirt off my shoes, moving on to the next city. We're going to start it all over and do it all over again. Yeah, the second half of that that verse there is even though we were surrounded by many who opposed us, right? And then verse 3, so you can see that we were not preaching with any deceit or impure purposes or trickery. Like Paul walked in there, he was already beat up, and he's already surrounded by a bunch of people that don't believe in what he's doing and He's still standing before them preaching boldly yeah. the good news. And I think something about that you just said there, I think points to the validation of the gospel that he's preaching. 
most people, when they're doing something, let's say you're lying, you're only going to take that lie so far. And then at some point, when Paul's getting beaten, he's going to say, all right, fine, I was joking. Enough of this. Enough of this. I was lying. I was just playing. I don't actually believe this. I'm moving on and getting out of there. Just to save himself. Last week, we talked about suffering a little bit. I think you said it. I don't remember how exactly you said it, but sometimes the thought of the suffering is worse than the suffering itself. Yeah. Something like that. But Paul goes in, accepts the suffering, and then continues to preach about it because it's true and he believes it. And I think that's where you get the, we're not preaching this with with impurity or any attempt to deceive. This is true. Yeah. We're willing to take a beating for this. I think the the other thing, like, if it was a lie, like, people would have been able to quickly discredit them. Yeah. And uh, that, that just didn't, that hasn't proven to be true in history yet which again thinking about being beat up for preaching the gospel he's willing to do this because he's not doing it for man he's not doing it to please man says in verse four there we speak not to please men but to please god who tests our hearts they're doing this because god's asked them to do this and they're being obedient to it they're not doing it and we can i mean this could be a rabbit hole we could get down if we want to how many people on facebook or instagram or tiktok or churches pastors from pulpits that are not necessarily doing it for god they're doing it as a show and they're worried about what people think and they're willing to sometimes skip over scripture because it doesn't sound good or it goes against the current culture and they don't want to ruffle feathers well they're not doing it then for god they're doing it for man yeah i mean i'm verse four definitely speaks directly to that is mine reads because i'm in the ni nlt version this week uh, for we speak as messengers who have been approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Paul's, that's a bold statement in itself. Like, I'm a messenger, I've been approved by God, and I am sharing his good news. Like, I'm not sharing my own good news. Like, there's been some great things that happened in Paul's life, and I think he spends very little time on that. When you look at the accumulation of his letters, you do not necessarily learn a lot about what directly happened to Paul and all the good things he saw. Like this letter, he's writing back to the Thessalonians and, and encouraged them to look at their own walk. And he's not saying, look at my walk and look what God's done through my life. But look what he's did in your community. Yeah. Like I think we, we see in Paul's letter, there's not a lot of selfish indulgement well i think the times that he does say hey this happened to us here he says been shamefully shamefully treated at philippi as you know but then he flips it and he says we have boldness to declare god's gospel which then i think that points to you what you said too it's not his story it's not paul's story it's god's gospel not paul's gospel it's god's gospel that he's praying but yes he always when he does say hey this has happened to me he flips it and says but God did this through that, and he always continues to point it to God. And I think that's, again, where he's not hes not necessarily worrying about what people think. He's not doing it as a show. He's not doing it to gain clout or to look at me. He's doing it because he's been called by God to do it. Right, which leads perfectly into verse 5 without, without even reading it, right? Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you know very well. And God is our witness that we are not just pretending to be your friends so you would give us money. 
As for praise, we have never asked for it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but we were as gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we gave you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Mm. Yeah. So right there, he's saying he's laying it down for them. Like I'm laying down not only the good news, but I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And I think probably culturally, again, we talked in uh, first Thessalonians, this was a um, community that worshiped idols there were probably a lot of people, maybe, I don't know what would the right word be, but monks or whatever from those gods who came into these communities and say, hey, I'm from God X, Y, and Z. You need to show me respect. I want your gold or I want and take advantage of people. And Paul's here saying, hey, remember, we came in and didn't ask for anything. We could have. We're apostles of Christ. We could have made demands. but That's not why we're here. That would have pointed towards us, and that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, that just <laughs> reminds me. I recently went to a, a service um, just to go to something different, and right before tithing, like you were you were told if you gave $100, you would receive some gifts, and then if you gave $1,000, you basically got a trophy. <laughs> like, so when you read something like this, and Paul's like, I'm not doing this for my personal gain. Like, I don't want your money. I don't want your anything. I want you to receive salvation from Jesus Christ. But um, I reflect on that when I go to, when I went to that, I'm like, really? That's how we're going to open up tithing? Like, if I give you a hundred bucks, I get a book and a calendar. Yeah. If I give a thousand, I get a trophy and the books and the calendar. Like, sign me up, right? But yeah. what the way we present the good news matters. Are we are we doing it for our own personal gain? Are we doing it to gain, um, to further the kingdom of God? Yeah. Are we kingdom building or are we Aaron building? Yeah, I that example you give of that church, which is a pretty large church. Uh, maybe people know that church, but the fact that they're bringing you into tithes and offerings, which is a a giving back. It's a giving back, whether it's tithes or offerings, you're giving back to God. I think let's back up here to verse four again. He's saying we came approved by God and trusted with the gospel. So we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. And I think that's one of those places where, Hey, Paul's saying, Hey, we went through trials at Philippi. We were probably beaten. We were thrown in prison. There was, it was a mess. We did it for God because we know that going through those things, tests our hearts and it's going to pull out it's kind of like taking a precious metal and melting it down and the impurities come out and then you can scrape them off and it's more god's test allowing us to go through trials to test our hearts and so when you say that it's like what is the heart of that yeah am i giving yeah i'm giving an offering today because i just want to give or i feel called to give or i feel i need i want to bless i want to whatever the heart thing is or is it oh sweet if i just give 200 more dollars than i normally would i could get that trophy the heart of that is so wrong you know maybe there was some other purpose behind that that i because i don't regularly attend that church yeah. but like sitting there as a guest i'm like huh like we're ti- we're tying gifts into tithing yeah like if i tithe i get a gift it's not really the point of the giving right and it 
Um, so that was just something that as I read this earlier, like that came to mind for me is, man, what what was the intent behind doing that? What is the heart check to that? Are they, are they guarding their hearts? Like the Bible time over time tells us to guard our hearts and our hearts desires can lead us really astray. He says we could have made demands as apostles of Christ verse seven, but we were, became gentle among you like nursing mothers taking care of her own children. They came in, and and again, maybe this is why Paul, we talked about last week, he doesn't open this with, open this letter with, I'm apostle of God. I got authority here. He's very much with his community, seems to be going, man, I you're my own children. Yeah. Like, I want to nurture you into this faith. I want to I love you and take care of you in this and watch over you. It's not about me as a mother. It's about my children. Yeah, I want to I want to love you like Jesus loved me. And that that's what he's trying to exemplify, right? Like Jesus didn't demand anything out of anybody. He could have. He had all the power in the world and and Paul quite possibly similar walking into the believers with with status. I'm Paul. I'm an apostle. Mm-hmm. Give me 100 bucks. Yeah. And I mean, he was a Roman authority too, right? At one like, point, yeah, he's a Pharisee. So, like, he's got some clout behind him. He probably could walk into the into some of these communities and put his foot down and say, this is who I am, this is what I need, this is what I want. But he's doing quite the opposite of probably what he used to do, and he's walking into these communities very humble and saying, what do you need? And he might not have a room to stay in. He might not have his next meal lined up, but yeah. he's showing up and saying, Nick, what can I do for you? Yeah. Right. I want to, I want to love on you. Like Christ loved on me. Yeah. There at the end of verse eight, not only did we come with the gospel of God, but we also came with our own selves because you had become very dear to us. These guys are servants. They're givers. They're not only servants to God, but they're walking in these communities. Like you just said and saying, what can I do for you? How can I love you? And then maybe that's where that love God and love your neighbor comes in oh yeah that's another example hey i'm coming in here i'm preaching this but i also want to walk beside you how can i love i'm giving myself because you become very dear to us and i think that immediately rolls into verse nine for you remember brothers our labor and toil we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while proclaiming to you the gospel of god again they're not coming in saying hey look at who we are provide for us and we'll show you the gospel they're saying we're going to show you the gospel and we're going to go i think paul was a tent maker we're going to go make tents on the side you guys can buy them if you want or whatever we're doing but we're going to work to feed ourselves to house ourselves while we're here so that we're not a burden to you guys i think i think at this point like we're verse nine here and you could make the strong assumption that obviously there's a group of people out there trying to discredit paul yeah. Like he's coming into your community for personal gain. It has nothing to do with God. And Paul's second chapter of the letter, or this continual letter likely, right? But the second chapter, he's like, no, that's not why I came. You saw me doing the labor to earn my own wage. Yeah. And I was sharing the good news. I did not come in as a burden on your back. Did not come in and say, I need... of your 10% so that I can do my ministry. I came in and I worked for what I needed while sharing the good news with you. 
And clearly there's somebody out there saying, that's not why he's here. He's here to sell his tents. Yeah, verse 10, you were witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless our conduct was towards you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom. That first part there, you're, hey, you're witnesses of how holy and righteous and blameless we were when we came in here. Like There's people saying we weren't. There's people saying we're taking advantage. Yeah. But you, you remember how we came in. It was not about us. We were not burdens. We did not take from you guys. All we wanted to do was give in the gospel and in your community. And I like how he says that there, like fathers with his children, we exhorted each one of you and had encouraged and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Like before he says, I'm, hey, I'm like your mother and I'm nurturing and I'm taking care of. And here he's saying, hey, I'm more like a father figure. I exhort you, but I also want to encourage you and charge you to walk the correct way. There's yeah. probably some discipline and some, hey, we need to look at what you're doing here and we need to change this. So he's he's very much saying, hey, we came in to do both the mother and nurture and the father to we're going to, it's like, you don't raise children to be children. You raise children to be adults. And so while we nurture, we all, we, we also want to point you in the right direction. Now you, like if you look at children, like they're born, or our preacher just preached on this. Like you're born corrupt. Like a kid is selfish by, mm-hmm. by design. Like you're, I don't want to say you're evil, but like. We're born with original sin. Yeah. And, and Paul's saying, we got to correct that. Maybe you guys didn't see it, but I'm showing it to you. And that is what a father does. Mother nurtures and a father gives some correction, some whoopings. And then verse 13, and we will never stop thanking God that when we preached his message to you, you didn't think of the words we spoke as being just our own. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it was. And this word continues to work in you who believe. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, in this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. Yeah, these Thessalonians are mostly Gentiles. They're not Jewish people. I'm sure there are Jews within the community, but... Yeah, the majority of Paul's ministry was to the Gentiles, right? Yeah. Like, Paul went to the Gentiles, and Peter went to the yeah, Jews. To the Jews. But the Jews didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Some of them still don't believe Jesus is the Messiah to this day. And so as Paul and Silas and, and even Peter over in um, Jerusalem are, are preaching the gospel, these Jews are saying, no, 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 this isn't right. And look what they did to Jesus when he came himself doing this stuff. They punished him. They flogged him. They beat him. And Peter's saying, hey, I remember the way we came, and you turned, and I've seen your persecution, and you've imitated, mine says imitated me, in that. You've accepted those own things. He says, not only have you, we've seen you partake in the gospel, and you've accepted that, but you've also accepted, like you said, become imitators and you've accepted the punishment and the and the persecution that comes along with it. See, what I like is every time Jesus go or Paul goes to one of these communities or Peter goes to these communities and people accept Christ, they start being persecuted, whether it's by the Romans, 
whether it's by the Jews, no matter what it is, that's kind of comes along with the territory. Jesus says, you're going to suffer like I've suffered. Some to the extreme, Peter, Paul, you guys are going to be murdered for faith in me, just as I was. And that makes me always think about nowadays, life is so much different, but in the same way, it's kind of the same. And it makes me wonder as Westerners, as Christians, we have these, we have, we go to church on Sunday morning for hour and a half or whatever it is and sit in nice, easy pews and we go home and we don't suffer at all for Jesus. I think the, as far as the podcast goes, one time we put a Facebook uh, post, who is Jesus? Cause we were getting ready to do that episode and we got responses like he's a, he's a liar. He's a fake. What a, and I remember being like, oh my gosh, yeah. what did I do to you? And then I thought, well, you know, that probably comes with the territory. And then I laughed at myself thinking, well, you think this is persecution or something? People are mocking me on Facebook. Who cares? Right. These guys are actually being persecuted for that. And he's saying, you're becoming imitators. And again, he's praising them. This is what it's supposed to look like. Francis Chan, I believe, did a lot of ministry over in China. And he said, you know, they hold secret church because if they get caught they're likely their family and them are going to be persecuted he said and and like you're saying here we have the freedoms to do it um we might get like verbal attacks but it's not actual persecution the end of 14 there says for you suffered the same things for your own countrymen as they did from the jews verse 15 who killed the both the lord jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. I think we kind of got ahead of ourselves there. You're going to go through the same things. Look at Jesus and the prophets. We were driven out. We were persecuted. Jesus paid the ultimate price and gave his life all so that we wouldn't preach this gospel. And then he gives a warning. So, and he kind of gives a warning there at the end then, but wrath has come upon them at last. Like they're going to get what they deserve for persecuting Christians. Although the, to me, somewhat of the funny thing in this last part of that section is Paul's, Paul's preaching to the Gentiles so they might be saved. And that's what they're trying to stop them from, right? Mm -hmm. Like they don't want these other people. Like there's not room for, for everybody up in heaven, right? They don't want them to receive God's word, basically. And then Paul's like, by doing this, they just continue to pile up their sins. Yeah. Like they're continuing to live in a way that is not godly, and they don't see it. And they're going to continue to do that, and they're going to continue to persecute us. And I don't remember the number of disciples, but the majority of them were were persecuted. And yeah, I think most of them died for their faith, became martyrs. Which is Going back to your earlier point is another testament to, like, it wasn't just Paul that lived this out to the death. It was the majority of them stood behind what they saw Jesus did and who Jesus was and the good news that he shared. It wasn't just one guy, like, living a lie. There was 12 of them, 12 of them that, that stood up for it and could testify to it. And um, you look at Luke, Luke went and investigated a lot of it right and it and it all matched up you don't you don't die for a lie you don't die for something you don't believe and i think that's the testament of there's so many accounts even outside of the bible that point towards the bible 
Verse 17 here, dear brothers and sisters, after we separated from you for a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. After all, what gives us hope and joy, and what is our proud reward and crown? It is you. Yes, you will bring us much joy as we stand together before our Lord Jesus when he comes back again. For you are pride and joy. I think what he's saying is, this is why we do it. They got called away. He's tried and tried. Can't get there. Satan's doing something that's preventing him to be there. He, obviously, we know he's going to be thrown in prison over and over again. He's going to be beaten over and over again. But what he's looks forward to most is seeing them there. And then he even narrows it down. And in the in the last days, when Jesus finally comes back, that's going to be there's we're going to be so proud. We're going to be so overjoyed that we're going to all be there together. Yeah, I think I think it really points to one thing I read. This was one of Paul's earlier letters, and so he was early in his ministry, right? And he's writing back to them, encouraging not only them, but we can see that Paul's very encouraged by what he saw, the transformation. Like, he's encouraged by that. He saw, he walked into this city, he shared boldly, he wasn't a burden on them. But I think we can see that that Paul is very encouraged by what he has seen. It's a blessing to him, and he sees some fruits of his labor. Yeah. Which gives him the strength to go to the next prison. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Like, sometimes when, I, I don't know, if you if you ever get the chance to lead somebody to Christ, like it's very encouraging or be a part of something where you, you see that transformation in somebody is encouraging. It pushes you to, to do a little bit more. Yeah. Not only at the beginning, Paul pointed to the fact that, Hey, God showed up for me because I, I got beaten and bruised and battered and whatever in Philippi and God showed up and lifted me up and encouraged me. But, when I reflect on my moments of weakness, I, I reflect on you guys. Yeah. Like, I reflect on what I saw happen with you guys. And you're a part of that. And we're going to get to stand before Jesus together. Yeah. And say, well done. I love it. So that, that's our hope, Two Fish Community, that we all get to stand with Jesus, with you. And he's going to look at us and he's going to say, well done, Two Fish Community. Yeah. You took the gospel to the world. Well done. I love it. I can't say any better. Thank you for being a part of this community and join us next week here back on the two fish podcast.